0: Hello and welcome to the Court of Owls podcast. Today we have a very special Valentine's Day episode filled with passion, romance, crime, murder, mayhem, spoilers, and our dear friend March's personal Valentine's gift to the world, Plenty of tits and ass. I'm V and I'm here with my two Valentines, Joe. Hello. And Muse. Heyo. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week, and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So, to start off, we'll be covering comics from our long box. Basically, we'll be covering any Trinity titles, Justice League titles, and any major DC event titles. Muse will also cover any Marvel stories that she feels were pretty important this week. I'm going to let Joe start off with Justice League 40 for reasons he'll explain.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I'm doing Justice League 40. This is the initial start to Robert Venditti's run. Again, Robert Venditti was writing Hawkman, and he is currently writing the Superman giant. And the art for this one was done by Doug Monk and Jaime Mendoza and basically there's a lot of changes going on in this whole new turn for the justice league between leadership dealing with the effects of past events from scott snyder's run and also the return of some actual characters that i really enjoyed one of the main things that i had a bit of a problem with was that it doesn't really seem like it follows where The last issue left off. For starters, Aquaman's not there, Hawkgirl's not there, and Martian Manhunter's not there. And again, that whole team, as we remember from the last issue, they all went through that door that was provided to them from the Phantom Stranger, where they were going to start going into all these different events, some that they weren't even a part of, in order to unite everything, which I'm guessing is going to lead towards the 5G initiative. But that was just kind of my confusion with this. So it starts off in the middle of Minnesota. Uh, Daxamite actually crash lands, and it turns out to be Sodom Yat from the Green Lanterns. Sodom Yat was also known as Ion, and he was one of the most powerful Green Lanterns pre-Flashpoint. Another famous Daxamite is actually Monel from the Legion of Superheroes, and also in the Supergirl TV show. But anyway, Batman is acting very more leader-esque than he was in Snyder's run. He's giving Flash orders about what to do. He's mentioning the Justice League protocols, like Omega, like Maneuver 7, and all this other stuff like that. And then Jon Stewart recognizes the Daxamite to be Yat. From the green lanterns and says that like himself he was voluntarily discharged with commendations which i was also a bit confused with because if he was discharged from the lantern corps wouldn't that mean that he shouldn't have his ring so why does john stewart still have a green lantern ring if he was discharged as well as sodom Yat? but they take yat back to the hall of justice and he mentions how the Daxamites are descended from ancient kryptonians and he crash landed on Earth because a new breed of Daxamite soldiers were created from the cloning and genetics and swearing their loyalty to their new creator, which was the Eradicator, who wants to make Earth a new Daxamite colony. For those of you who don't really remember or know, the Eradicator was last seen in Tomasi and Dan Jurgen's Superman run in DC Rebirth. So I was really excited about that because I am a big fan of the Eradicator and I loved him in Reign of the Superman. So he's coming back because he's trying to preserve the Kryptonian race. And in this case, because he lost his faith in Kal-El and Kara, he's going up with the Daxamites now. Yat mentions that he can't help fight them because he's now a senator of the Daxam Isolationist Party and basically became a pacifist. He feels like Daxamites are too powerful to interact with any other aliens, so he's not even going to try to even fight. And Batman asked Superman about what other weaknesses the Daxamite and the Eradicator could have, since they're similar to Kryptonians. And because of all this cloning and breeding, they can probably rule out Kryptonite. They can probably rule out lead and the only other thing left is magic. And Wonder Woman mentions that the Justice League Dark is unavailable to deal with this, but maybe Madame Xanadu can help. And Batman's about to give the orders of what the team should do, and then John actually cuts him off mid-sentence and gives different orders. And Batman kind of just storms off and goes to London to go find Xanadu. <laughs> and it was kind of weird too, because so he's on his jet and he's talking to Alfred. Telling him to take the Bat-Jet on autopilot back to Gotham because he's most likely going to teleport back to the Hall of Justice with Madame Xanadu. So it's a little bit confusing timeline-wise is Alfred still alive in this case? Because in the other Justice League issues, everyone knows that Alfred was gone. And not only that, this issue as well, John and Clark are talking in the air and mentions how Bruce is a kind of a different person right now because of Alfred's passing.
0: Oh my gosh, so is he like crazy? Is he like talking to Alfred and he's not there?
1: Well, no, because Alfred was on the computer screen in the jet, like his face and everything. So unless he already has an A.I. Alfred, just like he does in Batman Beyond. Oh, no. That's the only thing I can think of. Or that. that
2: hasn't even gotten going brought crazy. up in anywhere else. Like, that hasn't gotten brought exactly. up in Batman or Detective Comics. You would at least think with how both Tomasi and Tinian are dealing with Bruce's grief process, that would be something that got brought up. But his Alfred is Lucius Fox. But, uh, okay.
1: Exactly. And, again, like Clark mentions that Bruce isn't used to somebody else calling the shots especially after Alfred's passing because John said that it felt kind of weird interjecting while Bruce was talking but he doesn't really see a problem with two people giving out orders to a team of equals there shouldn't just be one Justice League leader. And Clark kind of just says, you know, I'm kind of keeping out of it. What do I know? I'm just a guy from Kansas. So the Daxamites Clark is a are projected shadow to leader. <laughs> is it much.
2: Batman usually the shadow leader?
0: No, he's just a shadow. <laughs> he owns the majority stock in the company. Fair enough. But like Superman's the figurehead, <laughs> and, and Wonder
1: Woman's the ambassador. Yeah. Yes. But. So the Daxamites are projected to land in Metropolis and Diana asked Barry if he's up to it because when they were first going up against Sodom Yacht in Minnesota, Batman gave Barry an order and Barry kind of froze. Like, he was trying to use his super speed, but it wasn't working. And I feel like that may have to do with actually what's going on in the Flash run, where the Speed Force is kind of out of whack right now because of everything that was going on with the Year of the Villain stuff. But Barry just kind of runs off anyway. And it basically ends with the Eradicator and a couple of his Daxamite army telling the Justice League, like, Earth is now about to be an Earth colony for Daxamites. Hey! Yeah, again, I'm just a little confused because this is completely different take from what I was expecting after Justice League 39 because the way that I was thinking this was going to be is that we were going to maybe go through past experiences of the Justice League or things that were going on elsewhere in the world when the Justice League was dealing with something else. If they're trying to connect all of these other past events present and future before this 5G initiative according to what the quintessence people were talking about last issue. So I'm just a little confused about why it's starting out this way and again with half their team pretty much because again Hawkgirl, Martian Manhunter and Aquaman aren't there. I don't know. I was really disappointed at the end of this because I really do like Venditti's writing and I feel like I was expecting a lot more than what I actually got I'm still going to read it, of course, but I don't know. I was kind of underwhelmed with all of it. But yeah, that's all I really have for it.
0: Hmm. Well, I don't know if I'll pick it up, but (laughs) I'm interested (laughs) to see if it finds its voice. Because, you know, maybe he's just not used to it because he just got off Hawkman, right?
1: Well, he's still writing Hawkman from what I know, and he's still currently writing The Superman Giant, which... If it's going to follow the trend of all these other giants, it's going to get its own run, like, in a single comic issue, eventually.
0: It's weird how DC relies on so few writers, you know, and just, like, overuses them.
1: Yeah, but then that's also why you get, like, kind of stories like this, where, you know, they kind of need to prioritize from what they have of what they're going to put more heart and soul into. Yeah,
0: I just don't think they have as many stories in their heads as they're writing. So they're just kind of like killing time on certain titles.
1: And I think that's also it. Like exactly what you just said. Like they're kind of just killing time until this 5G initiative happens. Because whatever they do, it's all going to get erased anyway at the end of it.
0: That's true. I keep forgetting about that. I'm like, what are they doing? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, they're just (laughs) going to throw it all away. So they're like, we can run wild. Nothing matters.
2: (laughs) That's also a really bad tactic because they're going to lose their uh, readership really heavily, and no one's going to trust whatever the heck the 5G initiative is because it's probably just as toxic
0: as the current run.
2: No, uh, it's like with New 52, it was like a huge leap, and a lot of people were super hyped for it. But more people were hesitant. There's a lot of people that were hesitant because of every, like, yeah. the way they were um, going with it. And then, of course, because of the New 52 run being pretty much a bomb, with them rebranding, after rebranding to fix it with Rebirth, I don't think fans are going to trust their ability to do so. So I'm
1: Well, that's the afraid. other problem, too, with it. And a lot of people have stressed this opinion where, you know, Rebirth was a godsend after New 52, and people were enjoying Rebirth. And we've only had Rebirth since 2016. And all of a sudden, now we're just going to get rid of it when pe- this is something people are actually enjoying.
0: But like, how are they enjoying it? People have been complaining about Batman, they've been complaining about Superman, they've been complaining Yeah, about... well,
1: this is all the downfall of it now, too. But
0: Well, you say that, but like, Tom Keen has been running Batman into the ground since 2016. Like, it might have been okay for, like, a few episodes or a few issues, but, I mean, as soon as they started picking up on the bat wedding that was not to be, like, yeah, that's when people started say. to turn, they started to throw their books away, they started to realize that they were blinded to, like, what they were actually reading by all the promises of what they would read. Kind of like, you know, that Star Wars trilogy, the new one, where you're like, or like even Star Trek, where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, it promised so much, and then you realize they didn't have anything at the end of those promises and that's what a lot of these these issues set up it's like when we first got into young justice you know versus what what the outcome was or i mean
1: that just took an instant turn from yeah, at issue it two really did issue one was just a whole setup of like hey we're all here and now we're gonna go over here and then issue two it was just a spiral
0: <laughs> the only promise i got out of young justice was that it was gonna have classic Superboy, and Gleason was gonna draw it. That's all I wanted. That's not what I got. No, nope.
1: that's Dad. all everybody wanted because I think he didn't even make it through three issues.
2: Uh he got through. I would say at least uh, the first. I think. Arc.
1: He, I know he did Connors. Connors was issue three.
2: He did at least the first arc or so. I think when they started to multiverse hop in Young Justice, that's when he stopped.
1: Yeah, that's when John Timms took over. Yeah.
0: I took. I just got out way before they started earth hopping.
1: You're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's what I tell everyone. I'm unfortunately sticking <laughs> through it
2: because I know Joe and I are pretty much just like, we love a lot of these characters and we want to, like, see what the heck they're doing to just destroy our favorite characters. Like,
1: I'm just. Well, for me, too, I'll, I'll explain it more in part two, but for me, it's more of I'm hate reading this because, again, like Muse just said, I love these characters, but it's also because all of Bendis's stories interlock with each other. So you kind of need to pay attention to all of them to understand what's going on in one of them.
0: But it's not like they're inter- interweaving like correctly with each other. He's still not getting the continuity right between his own stories.
1: Well, aside from Superman, Superman and Action Comics are the only ones. Everything else is just focused inside the Bendis verse. Anything that's under the Wonder Comics title. That's all under the same continuity. The Superman in action comics is not. And that's the only one that's really out of the loop in terms of Bendis stuff. But and that's where it kind of feels more of like, I'm just going to take this character and I'm just going to use all of my toys and put it in this story that was already going on. And it
2: gets worse, but we should probably save <laughs> that for part two when we actually talk about Young Justice.
0: Definitely. I'm going to talk about our boy. As I was saying before we started recording, I love one-dimensional men let me tell you <laughs> if you could predict how they're gonna act in every scenario i'm there and uh who is more predictable than our boy bruce wayne and uh, less predictable, uh, his writer Tinian, who was like, I have a really dark story, and we're like, um, I don't know. (laughs) Well, he finally revealed the template for his story, and I'm gonna warn you all, this has more spoilers than I usually give. He's trying to get really clever with this one. It was all over the place. Uh, There are a bunch of tiny little itsy-bitsy subplots. I wanna say that it's basically echoing war games. Like, if you don't know about War Games, War Games was essentially Bruce Wayne, I don't know if you know this, but he was also Batman, had a secret plan to bring down all the mob families in Gotham, and it involved having, like, a meetup with this guy named Matches Malone. Well, at the time, he had Spoiler as his Robin, Stephanie Brown, and she was super crazy and... I don't want to say she needed to be medicated, but, like, she, uh, she had something. She had something that was claiming her attention from day-to-day activities, and she couldn't focus, and so Batman's like, listen, you're not listening to me, you're not obeying rules, this is a dangerous job, you're off the team. She goes... I say I'm off the team when I'm off the team and she set his plan into motion, which basically set the entirety of Gotham into a war zone. We essentially have a similar idea, except rewriting history, four of uh, Gotham's biggest villains, Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and Joker got together and they created their own war game scenario. This one was just focused on Batman and it involved the murder of Bruce Wayne. Basically the idea is to keep Batman moving. Keep him distracted by a bunch of sleight of hand with a bunch of uh, different mercenaries to keep him going and distracted. And they would kill four targets that they would make him think he was going to save, but he wouldn't save any of them. Culminating in the death of Bruce
1: Wayne.
2: I'm kind of giving away that the end here.
1: Front loading it also kind of reminds me of um, Nightfall. Yeah, it
2: really does. When you mentioned that bit,
1: mm-hmm. because Bane was trying to overwork Batman so that he got super tired that he couldn't do anything.
2: Right. It's like a w- interesting mix of all, like both of th- those scenarios, Centenian's mm-hmm. own weird culminated version.
0: Right, but see, we're not getting it. Like, here's the plot. Here's how it's happening. Instead, what they're doing is they are saying, "Here's a piece here. Here's a piece there. Here's a piece there." But also, here's a subplot for you. Here's this. Here's that. And it's trying to be mysterious and try to like let you. Not guess. It's not giving you enough information to guess anything, but it's kind of like, it's trying not to tell you. And by the way, here's, here's my problem too with like not telling people. It's not that he's not giving us the information up front. Like I usually don't have a problem with that. It's the way he's not giving us any information. We see Catwoman, like in the last issue, Catwoman was, she wasn't standing in the Joker's grave. But in this issue, she starts off in the Joker's grave and we're like, well, that's an odd place for you to be. How did you get there? What are you doing? And she's just standing there, and uh, I think she was digging him up.
2: Yeah, I think she yeah. was trying to dig him up to see if yeah. he was actually there or not.
0: mm So she finds dead Joker and uh, she gets ambushed by these people with green gas leaking from their mouths. It's the same thing. It's the designer's special drug that is made out of ghosts. So this ectoplasm drug is like talking to her (laughs) through these guys. It's also talking to her through Joker's corpse. And he's just like, yeah, I was dead, but I got tired of it. And it's like, I don't understand this ghost drug ectoplasm it's it's weird i don't like it but as a personal preference it's not necessarily going to be the demise of the book it's just me so yeah catwoman's whole thing is like <sighs> she's calling riddler riddler hates her he's like you sided with batman you're not one of us and i bet batman still thinks of you as like blah blah, blah part of the arkham set even though she was never in arkham except for that one time and it was a trap so yeah they're just like going off about how uh it, he was mad at catwoman and catwoman's like batman's figured out your secret cameras and code or whatever and, and they fight for a little bit and then um he starts to chide her about uh her part in this plot to bring down batman and like how if he, she ever tells him how she how she was once a villain he's never gonna look at her the <laughs> same way again <laughs> it's like have yes! we been through this with her wedding oh no I'm just I'm too damaged for you. like he met you robbing a I just never mind I'm over it so <laughs> <laughs> Catwoman's like you know she's all tearing up like oh he's, he's right he's gonna hate me but she like tries to call Batman you know she tells him she wants to tell him the truth but she gets cut off by the designer so then um that's a whole separate thing and we'll get to back to that in a second i do want to say there is a penguin subplot that i was interested in the last episode i thought it would be really interesting how like uh the penguin was breaking into this heavily you know armed facility to kidnap a whole bunch of like world-class mercenaries which i always i don't know i love it when penguin gets some over on people because yeah his methods are kind of crass like he has money and he uses his money instead of like any cool powers or anything and it's like oh yeah rich people always why does that
1: sound so familiar (laughs) using money
0: yeah but like here's the thing i just i think it's hilarious because penguin is just this fat angry man and he just he he always seems to come out on top and all these muscle-bound heroes were like no one can defeat me. No one can afford me. I'm the greatest. I have healing ability. And he's just like, well, I just took all the oxygen out of your rooms and you all passed out. And I just had a bunch of corrupt police officers transport you here. And now you're all <laughs> hanging on meat hooks. The dumb part is he let him talk. He let him wake up. That was stupid. Mm-hmm. He should have killed them. But um, he doesn't. And uh, another spoiler, he does get his throat slashed. Is he going to die? No, because everyone in this stupid plot is going to get hurt and not die. Except the Joker, who's probably going to get better soon because he's important.
2: Also, he took a bullet straight to the eye from Jason earlier.
1: I was going to say, that's exactly what I was thinking of. I'm
2: not a big fan of a lot of the rogues, especially Penguin, but poor Cobblepot. (laughs) Can he catch a bit (laughs) of a break? He got shot in the eye, almost died. And then
1: he got also got it. apprehended by Catwoman in her run because somehow oh, yeah. he made her all the way out to California.
0: Yeah, he showed up there to, like, get her involved in some heist. He was like, if you don't do it, I'll kill your sister. And it's like, how often does that happen to you? Like, everyone knows you have a sister and they're like, "Wee, I'm going to threaten her. Like, that's terrible motivation. It's dumb. It's boring. Whatever. Anyways, he was just like he got her on like one heist. And I think she screwed him over. That's what she does. And I don't know why people still work with her. I don't. Penguin's an idiot. Okay. I know I just said he was smart. I'm, I take it back.
1: Okay. Well, he can be smart and an idiot at the same time. Depends who's writing him. In
0: this one, mm-hmm. he has penguin teeth. You know those teeny tiny teeth that birds have? <laughs> he has them. I don't know why he has them. He didn't have them before. Where did they come from?
2: <laughs> uh, I think this tenian basing it off of the live-action Batman movies.
0: It could be, since oh, he says he he's writes Danny Catwoman. DeVito. He's Danny I DeVito. He's,
1: yeah.
0: Which is just Catwoman a terrible is thing to say. Modeled
1: after uh, Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: You should not say that to uh, your comic book fans. Hey, you know everything I know about uh, your comic book faves I got from movies. What do you think of that? I watch TV. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's just, I feel like he might be drawing too heavily from some cornball movies.
1: I think it's a mix of like drawing too much from that and also implementing his horror element that he's a big fan of. And especially now with like his indie out, uh, Something's Killing the Children and how he does stress a lot that he's a big fan of horror. I don't
0: know. Yeah, the the visuals are horrific. Like, he's trying to be, but I don't think it's coming across right. I don't know. I think I'm going to blame Gil March for that. Are we ready for me to call him out? Go ahead. Go for it. Okay, Gil March is a voyeuristic, dirty old man. Is that is that okay to say? I'm going to say that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we just said in the introduction we got tits and ass in this episode, so I feel Listen. like calling him a dirty old man is okay. We all
0: draw tits and ass. It's not what you draw, it's how you draw it. And I'm just going to say, Gilmarch draws tits like they're a story element. He draws... <laughs> Cat- Listen, Catwoman got a new design via Jill Jones, right? She drew her with her armpits out, which I thought was stupid because armpits are very vulnerable. I get like maybe, you know... you you don't want to sweat there, so... Especially in leather. Yeah, so no clothes there, but, like, that just seems foolish to me. I mean, and it's also not very sexy because you're like, you want to see my armpits, do you? It's sort of weird. And in terms of, like, flash and skin, I don't want to, like, my eyes to always be drawn there. But Gillamarch was like, he sees armpit holes and thought, side boob because really that's where Catwoman was trying to get those eyes going see her whole half of her boob like it's an oscar dress and uh i gotta say it's an interesting choice it was kind of you know fit in there it wasn't like taking up half a page like last week's crotch shot but this time he has this one scene with cheshire right batman is like struggling to understand something lucius is saying to him and uh, cheshire goes it's so something like it's so funny to watch you struggling to keep up or to watch you being beaten i don't know so he like you know does his little ninja karate chop to her neck or like pinches her nerve you know mm-hmm. except the way gillamarch draws it he's like poking her and she's making this face like she's mid-orgasm the following panel is him chucking her over his shoulder and then we see another one it's just a straight up close-up of her crack basically it's just like right up in there and you're like why was that was that helping the plot is that helping the story or is that you absolutely having to draw and showcase someone's butt <sighs> it's less butt than last week I will give him that he's weaning himself <laughs> off of it I hope but that was more butt than I well more unnecessary showy bet than i've seen in um i want to say the entire batman run up till now That's it was surprising. just a whole panel it was just a whole panel of a close-up of this woman's butt it's like batman was like picking her up he's showing it off for the camera he's like look at this get a close-up <laughs> check it out it's got blood on it oh yeah she had like little blood marks on both cheeks because she's wearing basically a loincloth
1: it was funny too because like compared to the last issue in this one she did look like Hey, she just got hit by a semi truck. Because yeah. in the last one, if you notice, like she actually looked clean. There were no <laughs> cuts or anything. It was like she was just laid down in a pool of blood.
0: Yeah, it's like this time someone was like, Hey, do you you, you want you can put a little blood in there. This isn't for kids and he's like, What? I thought it was. That says drawing all that those crotch shots
2: it'll, it'll oh, destroy God.
0: the beauty
2: of my boob and butt shots by throwing
0: blood in here it's it doesn't it's just like a few little marks of blood on each cheek and those exposed cheeks are there because she's wearing basically a loincloth so of course he gives her a wedgie with it so that you can get a of full course. glimpse of it i don't know it was silly it felt weird but it's definitely gillam march He's a talented artist. He's just a little dirty old man. So, um, anyways, that's, that's one caught post from the, the other point that I was making was that, yeah, Batman's knocking her out and it doesn't look like that at all because he probably didn't want to make an ugly expression on her face. So instead, she's like smiling and looking, you know, it's just, it's all very silly. <laughs> the, a lot of the art just, it's beautiful and it doesn't fit the story, what's happening in the words. It it doesn't serve the story as well as I would like it to. Um, and it's kind it's of, it's kind of like what you
1: were saying last time, too, where it seems like there's miscommunication between Gilmarsh and, and Tinian, but Tinian's too nice of a person to correct them.
0: Oh yeah, Tinian's eating it up too. He's been talking about how much he loves the art, constantly. And yeah, he is, Tinian's very personable, and he seems to be really reveling in the reactions to his stories right now. So I'm not going to say like a lot of people aren't happy with it, because they are. Because like, first of all, Catwoman's using full sentences, which is like such a low bar. Yeah. (laughs) But we need to remember this is not where we were very short time ago so you know they are using words i just think it's sort of a convoluted plot and it's sort of paying off poorly um and then i want to bring that to the final part where catwoman is surrounded by bad guys and instead of like even trying to fight she kind of just lays down in the grave and lets them bury her She's like, oh no, it can't be. And she keeps talking to them and are going to kill her. And she gets saved by Harley X Machina. Harley Quinn just shows up out of nowhere. And she's like, you know, oh, this goes way deeper than you know, Catwoman. And it's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I love Harley with Catwoman. I just think, you know, it's going to be one of those sorts of things because she has a movie out. They're going to promote her as that giant overpowered person she was in, like, what was it, Justice League? Yeah, I yep. know. And,
1: no, and uh, Heroes in Crisis, where she took out the whole trinity in a matter of seconds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> oh, yeah. That. that was, hmm. <laughs> Harley's the golden girl of DC right now. But um yeah, so that was sort of like, I don't know, it's fine. It left a bad taste in my mouth, and it's uh it's just me being picky. I feel like I feel like I can't be satisfied with stories. I'm just a miserable person.
1: I feel like it's not being picky though. I think it's just the direction of what they're doing, because like I am a fan of Tinny and I like him as a person, and I am a fan of the things I have read of his. But just something with his Batman run right now I'm not enjoying it first I just kind of dismissed it as oh well you know he's still building his world he's setting everything up for us but now most of the pieces to kind of get us into the arc are set and I'm not liking what I'm seeing
2: what about you Mios you read it uh, I really don't know what to say about it at this point it's very similar sentiments to the rest of you like I'm confused but at the same time i I love tenian. And I've seen a lot of the good that he has done. Uh, Even having with Justice League Dark in the beginning, the upside down man was like this weird thing that showed up and then kind of shoved to the side for a while. And then he brought it back full circle. He left it really open-ended for Rem V to take over We'll see if he does it. So maybe once Tinian really starts getting the ball rolling, then we'll actually see more of the fruits of what he's been trying to set up. Mm-hmm. And like we did say before, he is partially constrained by what Tom King did for like the past 80 plus issues and the eventual 5G initiative that he's having to kind of squeeze in as well. So I'm going to kind of give him till at least finishing this arc before I really make a full solid mm-hmm. opinion on it. Of course. Yeah. Right now, I think the, the biggest issues is actually for me, because I've been reading his writing, I kind of get what's going on a little bit, and I am a little more intrigued. But March's art just does kind of, Throw you out of whack. It, it it's not really helping with the tone. I think that's usually a lot of the times for stories like this. We're like, oh, it's really and Tenian. Like is just not getting it across very well. And then at the same time, you're like, no, I think it actually is the artist. Sometimes art really can affect the story a lot because we got a new art style that showed up in Young Justice, and it threw me for a loop, and I did not like it. So.
1: And it's a lot of the comments I've been seeing too during Tom King's run because he had Clayman and Mikel like The art was good but the the story was bad so everyone was complaining about the, the writing. Whereas with Tinians right now, I haven't really seen a lot of complaints about the writing i've seen some but for the most part it's been about the art and like what we've all kind of been saying where like it does take you out of the story it doesn't really get to fully immerse you because you notice something like an ass shot or a crotch shot or whatever and you're just kind of looking at this now and you're like okay well now my attention is on this
0: But it's not even like they're particularly beautiful. It's not like it's a cheesecake no. thing. It's just like, <laughs> do you like extreme close-ups of anatomy? <laughs> no? Well, then you're not part of my club. Now look at this foot. Anyway, no, it's not quite a foot fetish, but I'm it feels that way. Trying to please the fetish. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I spoke prematurely. We're going to see something different each one.
2: I will say, like, his art is beautiful beautiful and i think that's one of the problems it's too like hyper realistic at times you're like can you tone it down some it's not even
0: that in my opinion it's that he does service his own art more than the story it's like he wants you to see how pretty his art is and so he's not worried about them like yeah. matching the tone he's worried about you looking at his stuff and thinking it's cool which is the same reason we were thrown out by shark tooth, um penguin or riddler spine riddler you know what i mean it was uh, what, did, <laughs> what did i call him
1: question mark belly riddler
0: <laughs> question mark belly riddler yeah so that's sort of you like he gave him a he gave him a question mark scar or tattoo or something right on the middle of his stomach. And you're like, never seen that before. You just made that up. You just put that in there and like either expected us not to know that that's not in continuity. Or just accept that that happened sometime off screen and now that's the way it is. Okay, just be like, that's my style is drawing Joker with like, I guess actually you could. Because they did that with a ri- with a Joker, right? They were like, covered him in tattoos. And he's just like, well, um, Riddler well, now.
1: Suicide Squad now. Giant, riddle, was, right? a
0: giant question mark spine that's what we're doing he's yeah. a hunchback surprise no it's just weird but stuff. also
1: with with the joker because he's shown up in tinian's epilogues right alive and well
0: right and nobody's <laughs> surprised that he's dead they're just like yeah joker's de- oh you didn't get the memo oh that's because i wrote these all months apart or something because they're not feeding into each other they're not reading back as like or one piece this of work. Is
1: more of DC going like oh ho oh, ho we're teasing more of the three Joker story that we're gonna come out with maybe eventually never
0: I hope not. I don't I just don't think they're handling it as well as they could. Like I've seen like I said, Dark Metal had some real high moments but like this no I don't think they can pull it off because there are too many gaps in where you last believe the characters were versus where they suddenly appear. It's like playing D and D with an unreliable narrator MC. Like, he's just like, and suddenly this is over here. And you're like, I thought it was over there. And he's just caught with, like, the little figurine in his hand. He's like, no, <laughs> you're mistaken. And you go back and check. And you're like, no, you're mistaken. But you can't do anything because you're not the MC here. You're in this weirdo's hands.
1: You can say Brian Michael Bendis. It's okay. <laughs>
0: And also, Muse, Yes. the gossip, did you hear? So near as I can tell, Tinian like went to the Caribbean and then like fractured both his wrists. No!
2: What? (laughs) What did he do?
0: I don't know. He just was like all these cryptic things on Twitter where he's just like showing like a CD and he's like, I hope this x-ray doesn't prove I have a broken wrist. And then like another tweet later, he's like, well, both my wrists are fractured. I'm like what (laughs) it's like i think it was february 4 he was like oh Oh, "Oh, i'm enjoying the beaches nothing like a beach (laughs) the next day it's like well (laughs) so i don't know what happened but he's been very upbeat and positive about the whole thing maybe he'll have like somebody do dictation for him or something
1: yeah it will be in his newsletter i'm sure
0: probably (laughs) yeah he sure makes that thing long he loves to write he does good quality in a writer uh, speaking of, I guess that's not really a great segue, but writers. <laughs> How's our friend Chip Zdarsky
2: doing? He's doing a wonderful job with the X-Men Fantastic Four number one. This Marvel story has been kind of teased since the House and Powers of X storyline that was going on that led into the branch off of all these new X titles, with Scott being once again being Scott and being a dick, especially to Sue, being like, your son belongs to us. And she's like, uh, no, he's my son. He's not going with you. So we've been getting a bit of a lead into that with this story. There's a nice little introduction at the beginning from Franklin's point of view about kind of like who he is, what he started out being like he was just kind of the little like he was the fantastic four kid he had no powers he was just kind of like the cute little sidekick and then all of a sudden he goes from that to having like reality warping powers and being one of the strongest mutants and slowly and it just kind of really sets up eventual conflict and fills you in if you don't know anything. Even eventual conversations with characters. You could be reading no X-Men or Fantastic Four titles and pick this up pretty well in the know what's kind of going on. Uh, You can just be reading X-Men. You could just be reading Fantastic Four.
1: That was me. I only read the (laughs) X-Men.
2: Same, only been reading X-Men, haven't been keeping up with Fantastic Four, except the little blurb that was in Incoming, and that was about it.
1: I didn't read any of it because when I started reading Marvel, I think Fantastic Four was already up to issue 12, and then I did not want to go back and read the first, previous don't blame t- 11 it, issues. It's a lot. <laughs> but like with franklin i had no idea that he didn't have powers until
2: he's a he's a mutant so like most mutants their powers don't start manifesting until they're usually hit about puberty when the x gene triggers so he was just he he, they just thought he was a normal kid
0: that's not like his actual like that's not his original story so that must be some new New newish because he's had like He's been that little toddler with reality <laughs> bending Powers before.
2: I don't know much about Franklin, except just, he's, he's soon Richard's son, he's an Omega-level mutant, and just, that's most of what I've gotten from it. That's all I know.
0: I don't remember how he got, I think it was just, yeah, that was just him. That was just how he was, but it was kind of one of those, like, out-of-nowhere plots, but I don't think it hit him when he was, no, it was definitely not in puberty. Originally, it was more fun because it was a real, literal child with, like, too much power
1: <laughs> yeah they showed that in the flashback too in this in this issue where he was a kid that was able to create universes
2: mm-hmm. i think they meant kid like i don't think it was like a toddler but at least probably by the age of like 10, ten. so he's he knew what life was before being a mutant which is kind of a bit of a plot point but he as we said before the mutants really want franklin to join them on Krakoa. one because they feel like he's feeling lost and disconnected from his true family
0: oh my gosh they've all turned magneto uh,
1: they're all drinking except Acu kitty
2: Lake. which is well, i have a theory about that, that <laughs> i'm gonna i'm really gonna i'm gonna give you my dumb little theory with this because of just how she interacts with everyone compared to everyone else reacting and also his powers are depleting there was i think it might have been house and powers of x it could have been in marauders or it was an x-men just a lot. Uh, those little blurts. Those little, like... It was, I think, in Excalibur because it was Teeny Howard. And she's like, yep, I made mutant social media. You're welcome. And one of oh, them had right. somebody asking about, has anybody noticing power issues? Like, power depletion. Like, if you're an energy manipulator, are you noticing that... It's weaker when you're off of Krakoa, but as soon as you get back to Krakoa, it's stronger. There's already been mentions of energy manipulators, mutants, feeling weaker or feeling drained when they're not on Krakoa. So Mm -hmm. recently, his powers have been depleting. Like, he's not been able to kind of go back to his normal level. Like, yes, he would normally, when he would warp reality, it would drain him for a time, and it would be no different than trying to sleep, and replenish that energy. It's not replenishing. It's just constantly getting weaker and weaker. So... Is this his powers or is he like always tired? Um, His powers. Okay. So we can't manipulate as much. And he used a lot of it against like some alien invasion that happened that I'm pretty certain happened in Fantastic Four. Or that's referencing empire which is coming out eventually which could be interesting nice little tie-in there charles xavier and magneto because sometimes do not call me by my human name anymore they're so weird and it's upsetting me but hickman hasn't he knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing uh they have called in catherine pride who's now no longer going by kitty it's tate shadowcat i'm still calling you kitty it's just habit you're one of my favorite mutants so kitty apparently i didn't know this she had history together with franklin back in like the 80s uh when she almost died and he stayed with her until they found a cure from whatever was killing her and through this they also mentioned that because of some space-time shenanigans that happened in the fantastic four run he's now a young man again but yeah, reverse
1: they a, like a John he was Kent there.
2: older like was he was he's supposed to too. be about kitty's age and now he's younger so he's like a teenager again because of just stuff so he did backwards oh, he went backwards no. Uh,
1: oh no i didn't know that so, i thought it was age up I yeah like that but
2: they'd also do the relationship later very sweetly because she's not certain that he will remember that because it's like that that kind of happened in a past life for him and charles was like Oh, he remembers. And you're like, uh, "Personal privacy." Oh. Yeah,
0: stay away from but Benjamin Button. They, stay they away meet later. It's too weird like, and Kitty.
2: And he hugs her, and it looks like brother and sister. I don't think there was any romantic feelings between them. There could have been in the old series, but now there isn't. Good. This is just him <laughs> really respecting her because they had like a friendship before or something. I don't know. Thank you for not making it feel weird and making it just seem like this natural friendship between the two of yeah. them with trust. Thank
1: you, especially because, like, first of all, I also really want to thank the editors for giving that exact series and arc and the year that arc came out in the story, so that way you can really tell. But also with that, because Franklin was—he looked like I, a toddler in that. I thought it. I thought he looked,
2: looked like an adult.
1: So that's why I was confused. That, was he a kid no, in that no, one? No, 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 no. He he was a definite kid. There was a I... little kid belly there. He was a kid because Kitty was crouched down against the tube. He could have been. He could have been little up, and it could, been, know, it could have been It could have been more of a John Todd thing. I
2: I was reading it very quick. Like I was, re- I was reading <laughs> this during a tornado. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, as yeah, far
0: as excuses go, I guess that's valid but i also <laughs> want to be that bitch to be like hey you know how muse reads a lot of anime manga and they all look like babies you know they all look like babies <laughs> <laughs> this is why she can't figure out in comics <laughs> I, th-
1: I think that he was in his 40s he was in the fourth grade know. muse either
2: way <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. It's either way, he's hour. had... S- either he's aged up or aged down. I think it might have been more of an... There was an age change. But why would a kid <laughs> stay around in Lavernia for Kitty when he had parents? Did he not?
1: He didn't have a choice. That's what they were saying. That's what they were saying in I thought the thought. He arc.
2: did it because he cared. I don't know.
1: Well, he stayed with Kitty because he cared, but his parents weren't around.
2: I don't know what was going on during the eighties. <laughs>
1: this was during. This was nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, so I want to okay. say this was during Secret Wars.
2: Either way. Uh Kitty is obviously very hesitant about trying to shove the Krakoa Kool-Aid down Franklin's throat like Xavier and Magneto want her to. Good. Because she's a marauder, she gets the goods, like, from around the world to deliver to mutants, and she goes to Logan and gives him his beer and he's like, Ah yes, the perfect medicine. <laughs> like, okay, okay, Logan. You know, I don't know. Is but... Logan
0: rich in this one too?
2: she's i love logan's logic on this because he's clearly more in line with the other mutants being like yeah we're gonna we're gonna do this because you see him later on siding with the mutants for a lot of things but logan's been through a lot of stuff he gets a pass but one of the things he says is because of how wavering kitty was you know as well as i do you grow up fast once you realize you're a mutant. So just because he's a kid doesn't mean he's actually a kid. Like, he's more mature than you give him credit for. He's He's got choices. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we jump to the Fantastic Four, because we focused on the mutants for a while. Let's focus on the family drama going on. And, of course, Reed is trying to figure out what's causing his son's power draining. And Franklin is just upset, because he's upset that he might eventually become human, and his dad just cannot find a cure. And he should, because... He's Reed Richards. He has no excuse. <laughs> like, okay, Franklin, stop being a little bit of a teenager. Go go calm your head. Oh. But Sue is written so well in this. I love her because she's such oh. a wonderful mom because Reed's like I don't I don't know what to do. I'm trying. I'm really trying. And she she's very motherly says to to her husband kind of like about what Franklin's going through. One day you think you're something special, that you're known for that thing, his mutant ability, and then it's just gone. And it's hard to recognize everything else you have to give in that moment. Franklin's going through a lot of stuff right now. Definitely, it's a little bit of a Franklin coming-of-age story. I'm trying to figure out who he is, with or without his mutant abilities, because of the legacy that his parents have, his uncle, all of this. It's... It's a lot for a kid, you have to imagine that. Just so to cool his head, Franklin goes to meet with Uncle Ben at a diner, uh, and kind of tell go eat. A diner, it's in New York.
1: Are eating at a it's diner. diner? It's New York,
2: <laughs> yeah. They're eating at a oh, diner, a couple of truckers, yeah.
0: But he, he needed over. to get Can out. They live together. How old is Franklin? I need to know 17. So,
2: obviously as i mentioned before (laughs) he's very upset that his dad cannot (laughs) and as he kind of hints more like he will not solve the problem so he's kind of hinting like (sighs) my dad like he says dad's the smartest man alive he solves the universe's problems daily so why is it exactly that the two problems he can't solve are you and me And this is referring to ben or the thing always looking like he is So he's kind of starting to go down a bit of a dark path mentally when it comes to his father being like, is my father purposely not helping me because he wants me to be normal and he wants to control me and I'm too much of a liability with all my reality powers? And you're like, (gasps) shoot. It's kind of makes sense with how Reed Richards is. So you're not out of line, kid.
0: But Reed Richards is kind of a dickhead. So like maybe your dad's just he sucks and
2: you just haven't been let down <laughs> enough in life yet but to, like, ben like ben that. says like you need to give more <laughs> kind of like credibility like you need to give your father respect yeah you just kind of need to respect <laughs> your, your father problem. a bit more and give him more trust and what he's doing like he's trying yeah dad's one of the smartest people but he tries he's really really trying of course while this is all happening poor franklin the mutants come to collect him And, of course, the Fantastic Four (laughs) are not thrilled about this whatsoever. And, of course, the mutants are once again acting all high and mighty over humanity, especially Magneto and Professor X and even Storm. Storm is even like had
0: that potential from the beginning.
1: (gasps) Oh, sorry you you just made it sound like they were debt
2: collectors. (laughs) (laughs) They are essentially they're like it's time to give him up. We've come to grab
1: Mrs. Richards. We're here to collect. (laughs) We're
2: here to collect. Uh, But they they're not getting along at all. And Professor X is like I don't want to start a like kind of like I don't want to start a fight. Let's let's go talk civilly. Oh well, yeah, that 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 goes very well with them <laughs> s- thro- throwing so much shade at humanity and at the Fantastic Four that Sue's just like, Alright, that's it, and bubbles Magneto into a force field because he goes to kind of like walk he's walking towards Franklin as he's monologuing oh and he looks gosh. like he's about to like kind of go and grab him. And she's like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So they're and... definitely under someone's control because there's no way they've lost that sense of like reality where you don't like mess with a woman's kid in front of her.
2: Oh, they don't like... care anymore. They, mm, they just ha. Ah, they upset me. So, uh, Kitty and Franklin. Kitty's like they start to kind of like fight a bit more. It's still mostly vocal, like a uh, verbal throws at people, and kind of like, if you make another move, I'm going to move, kind of thing. So there's really a bit of a stalemate and a bit of attrition going on. And Kitty's like, to Franklin, she's like, you want to get out of here? And he's like, yeah! (laughs) She phases him out and takes him to the park and kind of talks to him about what does he really want to do. And like a decent freaking person isn't pushing him to join them. She wants him to make the decision. As we even saw before, she was hesitant about trying to take him away. But she came to like her own conclusion that okay, as long as I act as a friend and a confidant, I can maybe act as a way to bridge Franklin to come to Krakoa. But if he doesn't want to, I understand he should stay with his family. If that's what he wants, screw what Professor X said. The fantastic four are his family. But mm-hmm. he Franklin really seems interested in Joining and at least going to Krakow, I think he's more like, can I just go? I just want to go see it. He's
1: curious. He's no. really he's a no, he's like,
2: a kid. He's curious well, don't and let teenagers join cults. Don't do it. <laughs> he's mostly curious to see because he has a little bit of his dad's scientific brain. He's not as brainiac as his father, but he wants to see. Maybe if I step foot in Krakow, that'll help my energy problems. Like maybe I, if I go over there, someone might know more than my father. And when
1: Kate was just showing him the gate, he was kind of talking about it as if he's like you know maybe i can be in both places i can Mm -hmm. be in krakoa some days i can be with my family the other days yeah
2: and even she was like see how close it is to your house you could easily come home like you could come visit us on the weekends and be home during the week like you could still go to school as normal and then come to krakoa like we're right here your family is right here there's nothing really separating you except this gate Um, i'm gonna
0: say it i'm just gonna say it the government was right. Mutants are a threat, and uh, they need to be stopped.
1: <laughs> Except, you know, this is coming from Kitty Pride who can't even go through the gates herself.
0: Exactly. I don't care. She's already been brainwashed. She's she's evangelizing. No, for she's them. not. She's no, she's not. That's my theory.
2: Them. That's my theory. So. There's been a lot of times where, in especially Marauders and a couple of other things, Kitty seems to be, the way she speaks is very different than the rest of the other mutants. She seems more hesitant on a lot of the ideals that they're trying to preach about things. So I have a feeling that there's some weird malfunction with her that Professor X and or Krakoa cannot tap into, which is why she can't get through the gates, because the island is trying to pretty much prevent her from going through, but she can still set foot on the island. It's just she can't use the gates. Continuing, there's more fighting because Johnny, of course, comes in and zips in in front as Franklin starts to kind of walk towards the gate, curiously. And more fighting starts to break out in this park. Mutants just keep throughout constantly in every single run. X-Men, Marauders, Excalibur. I don't read too many of the others, but I'm pretty certain they throw this out all the time. They're like, we have diplomatic immunity. And it's like, your Literally diplomatic immunity means shit (laughs) uh thank you ben for pointing out that it is weird because he's like it's funny how the only folk who need diplomatic immunity are the ones doing things wrong and you're like Uh... thank you (laughs) thank you this, this is, is why ben weird. Is my
0: unproblematic fave.
2: <laughs> Good Uncle Ben, he's great. Uh, the one that's alive. Not the one the that's man. alive. I <laughs> that can't. You call him Uncle Ben. What's wrong with you? He what kind of you? is. He's Franklin... He's Franklin's uncle.
0: Listen, we're all someone's uncle, but you don't call him Uncle Ben. That's just bad luck. Okay, that's
2: true. <laughs> Granted, it's a lot harder to kill a man that's completely made out of like rock. So true. So. While this fighting is going on, Franklin goes to make a run for the gate, but passes right through it. I immediately thought, like, uh, is the gate denying him? That's sad. But no, Reed decided to be a dick, like his son thought his dad was. He apparently meddled and created a device while he was doing all these tests on his son that masked his son's mutant genes way to go richards mucking it up again and pushing your son even further away from you he already had trust issues now you solidified it maybe
0: he saved his life <sighs> maybe he saved his son from brainwashing and a
2: life in the cult where's the either, fbi <laughs> either way on the horn. he pushed his son away and that was an invasion of privacy. Like, he took Because he his kept son's, it a secret. He kept it a secret, and he took his son's agency away from being able to choose if he wanted to. He was like, you're a kid. You can do it when you get older. And I'm like, what is older? One more year when he's a gosh darn illegal adult? Like, what are you... Yeah, what are you, a oh, teenager? Like, Who it,
1: says it's that? It's one thing to, like, continuously what's, what's like, run,
2: that's,
0: that's what run these tests say.
1: on your son, but it's another one to, like, you know, go not tell your son that you're suppressing his abilities. And the only thing I can think of is that while Reed was doing these tests, he realized that his son was only going to get stronger and more dangerous, and he had to stop that before he may have had to fight his son.
2: Well, he's not dampening his son. He put, like, he's, messing, he's like, oh, right? here's the X gene. I'm gonna put a little device that makes it hidden. He's well, not that's what doing I mean. It. Like, yeah. I'm
1: thinking, but like, he's not the because cause that his... could also be the Uh, reason why his powers are getting uh,
2: he hinted that he suppressed based off of the writing i'm not this is just kind of me really hinting off the writing it sounded like he did it while he was doing the experiments on franklin just recently after the fact fact. listen
0: Mm -hmm. he started doing these but if i got called out on it i'd just be like "Well, i forgot to tell you I meant to, but you know me, absent-minded
2: professor, <laughs> something like that. Very similar to Cass last week, what does Franklin do? He runs away. He storms off, <laughs> because he's super upset, Just Ben like, then confronts yes. Reed and calls him out pretty much on violating his son's privacy, and Sue agrees with Ben, though she does kind of comfort her husband a little bit, saying like, I know you meant well, but you did it all wrong. <laughs>
1: It was funny, too, because he's like, I was wrong. And she's like, yeah, you were. You were wrong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But there was the way that he wrote it, though, because a lot of the times when Reed fucked up, he messes up bad and affects everyone, and no one likes him. It's like Scott. No one likes (laughs) when they do something stupid. But he does kind of admit fault, and he's like, I keep looking for scientific ways to solve this problem. Like, I do all problems when really I just needed to be a better father. Thank you for understanding you're a dum-dum.
0: Yeah, but that's, he learns that issue all the time. He's not gonna, he's, he's gonna need to learn it again tomorrow. That's just read she with science. probably will. <laughs> it's like Harley Quinn with the Joker, but that's Reed with science. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, pretty much.
2: I think uh, we just threw poor Franklin into even a worse situation because, of course, he runs off, goes to Valeria, who's his weird, who's like his stepsister, Slash half sister thing. She gives him the worst idea ever, and they stow away on the Marauder <laughs> in order to get to Krakoa because he can't get in through the portal, so might as well go the Kitty Pride way, uh-huh. and boat to it and get on the one boat that he knows goes to Krakoa. The, the interesting thing is because right now in Marauders, Kitty's gone. She I don't know if she's gone forever, uh, but she's her ship sunk into the sea after going to Madripoor. Right. And she hints in her little speech bubble, of like, we're not going to Krakow, kid. We got calls for refugees being stuck in and then just, they hit something. You're like, okay, so this is, that's their nice way of hinting, this is happening before these issues of Marauders. Thank you for actually having continuity and letting us know where this is actually falling into place. And they don't hit a rock. They, they get... Brought up above the raging ocean as there's a storm going on by Dr. Doom. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> this is all I want. And in that's life. where it ends. I, I have to admit, I love Franklin and Valeria's faces at the end. It's just this, like, oh no, what have we done? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what happens when you're a mutant and a Fantastic Four member. Eventually, you have. Find dub- he or Dr. says, Dr. you Diff. have. You have doubled the enemies. And I'm like, he's not wrong.
1: No. And it was really good. And I really enjoyed this. The only thing like I saw with it was, I think it was just like miscommunication with the artists because Scott was drawn in like a style that you haven't really seen since I want to say like Jim Lee's X-Men.
0: How so? Compared to like how we've
1: normally seen him like with the cowl and stuff. And even Kitty. Unless this is kind of more of like... Uh to say where this takes place, because during Marauders, she's wearing like the red pirate jacket. She has a sword. She's not <laughs> dressed up in her X Men If
2: they are placing this before the Madripoor story arc, oh, this is absolutely right
1: before Madripoor. But I but, mean, like she was in that red, uh, red queen getup since I want, I want to say issue two of Marauders.
2: No, it was later in the Marauders, but she she should have a broken nose, because even after breaking her nose the first time, being like, it's healed, she broke it again, but Mm -hmm. I think that could be like an easy oversight on that, and she still was wearing her standard, the yellow X-Men uniform. Yeah, she just had the jacket over it. Yeah, she had the jacket later, she had her little scarf, she had the rapier, so... Also, I don't but think Pyro stupid. has the tattoo on his face yet, which no, could also be a didn't. way to place it, so...
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good, though. I really enjoyed it, and I really loved Harry Dodson's art for it.
2: Oh, yeah. The art was beautiful. So good.
1: Especially, again, like somebody who wasn't reading Fantastic Four and getting to jump into this and understand what's going on, this was beautifully done.
0: <laughs> good. It sounds... Well, it sounds really packed. Like, how long was this one?
1: It was a standard comic size. Yeah.
2: Oh, gosh. It was just, they did a really good job of giving you all the information, because when I say fight broke out, the fights were only, like, a couple of panels. It was mostly going on the background, which was kind of nice. Like, they showed a couple of panels of, like, there is fighting going on. Does it matter? No! We're focused on Franklin right now. So it'll hand to him while there's fighting in the background. That's usually the problem with a lot of comic issues when it comes to like, oh, that went by really quick, and you look through and you're like, there was a lot of fighting in this one, not a lot of talking, but you needed a lot of talking to set it up. I have a feeling issue 2 might have some more actual fight scenes. Because of Doom, so.
0: Yeah, but I think that's really that's really smart. That's a good way to handle such a short book is to have multitasking panels where multiple things are happening in one panel. It keeps the eye there longer and it tells a more rich and interesting and concise story <laughs> or condensed, I should say. Anyways, thank you so much for t- telling us all about that. That is really exciting. I will definitely check it out.
2: Potential spoilers for Franklin's decision, though, is... In Fantastic Four Issue 21, Franklin is on the cover in the Fantastic Four outfit. So I have a feeling he's either going to pick family, or he's going to do that. I'm gonna be split between both. So
1: I I think it's gonna be a, be a both situation. Be a both
2: situation though, it is the Empire tie-in issue, and for some odd reason, Spider-Man and Wolverine are also in Fantastic Four get up with either Sue Aww. or Valeria. I cannot. It's, oh, not it's, the, it's not the
1: first time Spider-Man has worn a Fantastic Four outfit.
2: Oh, it is Valeria because it's got to be. <laughs> so, she looks like Sue, because I think she's a weird clone of Sue in Doctor Doom,
1: because he's... It's something like that.
2: Crazy, but she's
0: yes. great. All right. Um, and then there were some other DC comics that came out this week. Joe, do you want to read them out?
1: Yeah, sure. So we had the Batman Giant number three. And for Black Label, you actually had Daphne Byrne number two and Joker Harley Criminal Sanity number three. And can I say that's actually growing on me in a very grotesque way? <laughs> like it's disturbing, but you have to keep reading kind of like the Hannibal TV show. Where, like, it's kind of, like, gruesome like that, but, Uh like, you want to see what happens. Then you also have DC Crimes of Passion, number one. We also have Harley Quinn, number 70. Genlock, number four. Lois Lane, number eight, which is eh. And Martian Manhunter, number 12, which was actually the last issue of Steve Orlando's Martian Manhunter series. And it was a good closure. I enjoyed it.
0: Nice. And Muse, do you have any uh, Marvel titles you want to talk about that came
2: out this week? So we had Ant-Man issue number one. We had the the end tie-in for Captain America. The Dark Agnes issue one. Daredevil 17. Doctor Doom number five. Speaking of Doctor Doom. The Gameverse Marvel's Avengers Hulk issue one. Hmm. Savage Avengers zero. A couple of other things, but...
0: You don't want to talk about Yondu number five, is that what you're? Talking no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care
1: want to about talk Yondu. about Star Wars Darth Vader number one. Oh
2: man, yeah, that thing was
1: awesome. Really? Oh my god, it was amazing. <laughs>
2: was it really? Are you being? It sarcastic? was so
1: good. Okay. No, I, I'm serious. It was so good. <laughs> I've been really loving. I think Charles Soule is doing the Star Wars comic right now for Marvel. And then this Star Wars Darth Vader is a uh, continuation of a side story for that. And it is so good. I'm loving it.
0: Awesome. All right. I'm going to look into that. To everyone who's listening, thank you for listening to part one. Stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. And we'll be back with more of this week's comics after the break. If you're anywhere online these days, you've been hearing a lot about VPNs, virtual private networks. With a virtual private network, you can create a safe space amidst the chaos of a public forum, sort of like an invisible jet in a war zone, or a bulletproof Batmobile, or even a giant green alien construct. Scandal after scandal has revealed hackers are everywhere, ready to blackmail you and expose your private affairs to law enforcement and public newspapers. However, here at the Legion of Engineering and Development, or LED, we create a virtual wall between you, local scammers, the government, And, of course, those pesky busybodies in tights. So remember, when you think privacy, think lead. Hello and welcome back to part two. This is where we cover all the titles in our short boxes from DC, Marvel, Image, and uh, all the others who clearly don't matter because they are not on my list. Except for Dark Horse. We love you, Dark Horse. Yeah, so you just heard the long box. This is a short box. I'm going to go first. How hey, you like them apples? Because <laughs> it's Valentine's Day and I love myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I was going when I started that sentence. It but, is um, not even
1: Valentine's Day week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Almost. It's Valentine's Day in my heart and it's Valentine's Day in D.C. land and that is why we got Crimes of Passion number one. All right. So, um, DC Crimes of Passion, it's an anthology, it's a lot like, uh, what was that other one? Was New like,
1: Year's Evil and Mysteries of Love and Space.
0: Love and Space, right. So, um, DC Crimes of Passion, you've got, um, let me see, you, you had a story from Tinian in there. I, let me see, that one, was that the one with the Pied Piper guy? Yes. Yeah. That one was okay. It, it's not really a plot, um, the Pied Piper gets lured into a rich person's house he, uh, of course, he's in a relationship with his husband? I can't really tell you anything about the Pied Piper. I think he's a Flash villain. Yeah, he's a Flash villain. Yeah, so he's given up the life. He's been reformed. And he uh he's domesticated. He ends up going to this rich man's house. The rich man shows him his, his flute. He's like, you've delivered me from normal life, and now I'm a criminal. And... I want you to play this and make me your slave for life and take all my fortune, whatever, because I never felt as liberated as I did when you took over my mind.
1: Guy, he's not just a rich guy. He's a rich guy whose hobby was collecting things from heroes and villains from right. different scenes. He he loves like the thrill of that because... He was thrown into this type of hobby because of the Flash and the Pied Piper.
0: And this kind of comes back to my gripe with a lot of DC comics these days is that they take things very slow. So they will tell you like a quarter of a story in the space it takes to tell a story in it like any other imprint, you know, like... Dark Horse used to accept um, submissions. If you wanted them to like take on your story, or you wanted to apply as a, like, a writer or an artist, you would submit like an eight-page comic. And they would actually take those. And I'm not really sure how that worked out for the people who submitted them, but I know that it did for a bit. And um, yeah, they, would just, they were like, if you can tell any story, if you're any kind of storyteller, you can tell a story in eight pages. And they would give you these like opportunities and you had to actually condense those stories down. These stories in this anthology, including Tinian's unfortunately, felt very... like If I put it to you in broad strokes, Villain goes to Collector's house. Collector shows Villain Old Trinket, tells Villain how the Trinket made his, him happy uh, when he, the Villain used it. The Villain says, I don't do that anymore. The guy goes, ah, come on, you can have my money. The Villain uses it to put him to sleep, and then leaves, because he loves his lover. I don't know, boyfriend or husband, whichever it is, he loves his lover, he goes home, the guy's like, what do you want, he's like, nothing much, and he puts the flute in his pocket in the closet, very ominously, you know, and it's jacket pocket in the coat closet. But the point is, it's not really a huge story and it does take up a lot of pages. Yeah. And I think more than eight. And that's a lot of these stories. They're very, um, they're very small. Um, there's one from Catwoman, which I thought was very on the nose. Um, I didn't mind it. Like it wasn't offensive, but it's, you know, Catwoman, Mm -hmm. there's a, a husband and wife criminal duo who hate each other. And I guess she killed his mom. He killed her dog. It's that kind of a relationship. They're argue- she's arguing that he did worse because he hated his mom, but she loved her dog. So they're like, they hate each other, they're trying to steal the jewels from each other, and so Catwoman plays one person against the other because it's Valentine's Day and she wants to treat herself to their jewels. And how she does that is she gets them fighting out in public, she gets proof that they both planned on like committing crimes to get back at each other, so they both get arrested, and while they're in police custody, she takes off with the jewels. And uh, it could have been a fun story, it could have been great, but the majority of it was just a bunch of vignettes of them yelling at each other.
1: It was too much bickering. Like, we we get it, you don't like each other.
0: <laughs> they thought they were being really clever with like the, uh, the ways in which these people fought, but it's like, we get it. They're super criminals, so they're divorce is super messy anyways it's just it was boring <laughs> no, but the art was fine the cat acted in character it wasn't any of the usual suspects it was just all these stories were very bland yeah um i did i did recognize the first one i think uh it was like a vintagey style story yeah
1: that was steve orlando's
0: right steve orlando who is normally like a great Writer, this one and Steve Orlando seems to like the vintagey stuff. Mm-hmm. So this one is um, Batman's first love. She's you know volunteers at an um, an elderly care center, and she is super rich, but she's into volunteer work and she has a good heart. And it's very much like you know Batman Begins, where Batman's or Bruce is like, she's makes me almost forget I have Dead Bear and. <laughs> And she's like, <laughs> oh my god! I sure hate Batman. He t- he's rich. You can see he's rich because of all his gadgets, but he doesn't use his riches for good. He uses them for evil. So then a hypnotist comes and he like messes with all the patients so they attack Batman. And Batman stops him without hurting them. Then like he you know comes face to face with his hypnotized girlfriend who hates Batman who's gonna shoot him, and he has to reveal that he's actually Bruce Wayne so that she won't shoot him, and then you know, at the end of it, she, like, doesn't remember any of it. So she's back to going, Oh, that Batman, he's such a brute. And Bruce (laughs) her this heartfelt letter. It's like, you know, sometimes I'm just as angry as Batman. And when you talk about him like that, I feel like you're talking about me. And that's why we can never be together. And (laughs) he's just like, you have too much hope. And and I don't want to corrupt you with my darkness. And, like, he sends this to her in a letter, and she, like, you see her hands, like, shaking as she drops it. And he gets a letter back from her, and he burns it unopened. <laughs> it's very dramatic. But I think that was... I don't know. I don't even know if that was the best one in the lot.
1: I mean, this is kind of reminds me of Detective Comics 1000, where it was very tough to pick out, like, what our favorite stories were from it.
0: Right. There wasn't anything that stood out like Tinian's story in Detective yeah. 1000. It was just kind of like onslaught mm-hmm.
1: of it's like this was good this was better than that stories. one this is horrible yeah. this is eh. there was, there
0: was a, there's not one that stands out batgirl one yeah with, batgirl um, and nightwing yeah which i should have liked but i was kind of eh. and then there was of course the wildcat one that it
1: was nice to see nightwing and not rick grayson <laughs> yeah.
0: seems like the only place you can see him like that anymore is one you know. <laughs> else yeah so anyways that's just it was one of those Uh, I would give it a pass if you're looking for romantic stories in uh, the Batman universe I mean, you like I said, I was looking. I kind of was looking forward to the Wildcat one. You a little bit spoiled it for me, Joe. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, was, I just like Wildcat, so I watched it, and it was just. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, that was, it uh, was simple. The art was that was really Riley fast. Rossmo. Yeah, it did not fit. No, I don't know. Yeah, he he was definitely great in uh, Martian Manhunter, but it it was a mess here. It was very very caricatured, and it didn't really fit very well oh well. anyways uh yeah it was like one of those ones you just kind of buy because it's out but i wouldn't if i were you
1: yeah basically i really need to get into the habit of like reading this stuff um and then buying like a physical copy because i got this one and i i mean maybe i can sell it or something i don't know i wasn't really a fan of it i
0: think you can sell it i think people will you know because people don't always know that these things come out i might be interested in finding yeah um black hat number nine was a palette cleanser i'm gonna be honest with you jed mckay did it chris anka I'm trying to remember who Prisanka last... did. Yeah, Prisanka. It was good. Okay, so at first it starts out kind of like wonky, but then he sort of found his voice and is his voice is anime. Um, it's it's very it feels very simple. It feels very loose, um, not entirely on model. It's very you know fluid, but um, it definitely had like a much more fun and snappy sense of art than the other one that had like unfinished art um what was his name what was that artist name i want to call him out i forgot his name (laughs) travel foreman that was his name freaking travel foreman what was that what was that art yeah anyways this art did not hurt my feelings i'm gonna say that zanka
2: is a wonderful artist he's the main artist for runaways well so
0: oh well he was great in runaways he's less great in this but he's he draws black cat really sexily he um if that's even a word she has like black eyeshadow like coal black eyeshadow and black eyeliner and black lipstick and she's got this slinky like white hair that gets slinkier as it goes on (laughs) like the longer you read the comic the more like like uh streamlined she becomes and uh yeah it's i don't know so the art wasn't distracting but it wasn't like that amazing that i was like oh my gosh i gotta look at this all the time um but it was it was serviceable and it was like a nice change from travel form and travel form i'm so sorry but yeah it, it made me really happy and um, the black cat story was of course better because once again the whole concept of black cat is fun she is the the bigger arching the overarching story is that she's teamed up with her old mentor who may or may not be a bad guy and um they're running around trying to collect all these pieces so he can i think he's gonna summon some god basically and there's a whole subplot with the thieves guild and how they have you know they have all these magical powers like if you've ever even watched the x-men cartoon you know about like the thieves guild versus the assassin guild and how they made this like deal with some ancient god So they would have, like, all these powers, they have, like, a tithe that they have to give every, I don't know if it's every year, every ten years, but basically these people are, um, they are kept by this god, and they, they can do all sorts of magical power things because they have that blessing. So, Black Cat runs afoul of them, and it's a whole thing, so, and her mentor has too, so... They're trying, she's trying to basically do whatever he tells her to do. Like, she doesn't know the full picture. We don't quite know what's going on. We've got a pretty good hint, but she is just kind of like in it to win it. Like, she knows that he's in danger. She knows that at the end of the finish line, whatever he's looking for is going to get him out of danger. That's kind of the sum of her thinking. In this, we kind of take a break from any of the heavy-handed stuff. He's like, look, I need another piece of art. And she's like, okay. Let's get that other piece of art against, like, a vignette of them, like, running around doing all this touristy stuff in Europe and, like, like betting on beetle fights and uh, going beetle to the fight? theater Oh, yeah they, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they went to Madripoor.
2: Of course they went to Madripoor.
0: That's right. Yeah, and they're just having, like, a good time as they, like, because that's her, yeah, she keeps doing that everywhere she goes. She's like, yeah, we're going to go do crime, but we're also going to enjoy ourselves because <laughs> we deserve it. And what is crime if it's not a... (laughs) fun time so she's like he's like you gotta find this painting and she's like i'm so tired of looking for paintings for you because they're cursed they're all these magic people i don't like it and he's like look this one no magic uh like there's a bunch of hidden stuff in it but it's owned by this guy named patches who won it in some game and she's like yes i can do this i'm gonna find this patches guys she starts asking around on the street for patches they have this horrible like i had like a heroes in crisis flashback with all these like characters like <laughs> The, screen, <laughs> the nine panel answering her question yeah and one of them's deadpool who's like Ooh, spoilers and i'm like shut up um i had like a bunch of people where they're just like in- like improbable people so it was like a little twee humor there that didn't make any sense and like the
1: fact that like she asked her partner three different times in that nine panel yeah.
0: <laughs> like that was supposed to be a, a comedic gag that they threw yeah. in there and i'm just like it wasn't funny he's like why are you me asking me jed, jed honey It's not even close to a joke. It's maybe like similar to a joke, but I don't think you know what a joke
1: is. Reminded me of the cha-cha-cha from Catwoman.
0: Honestly, this is worse than that. I'm just, never mind. I was not, I was not amused. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, it gets silly. Black Cat's running around. She goes, finds this guy who knows patches. She finds patches. It's Wolverine. He's got a patch on his eye. He takes the (laughs) patch off. He is no longer patches. I'm confused. <laughs> What's happening? Anyways, she walks up to him and she looks down at him and you're like, holy cow, it's short Wolverine. And he is teeny tiny, itsy bitsy, mini Wolverine that you can put in your purse and carry <laughs> It's no and Hugh Jackman, like, that's for sure. No, it is not. This is a very short person you could definitely throw if you were a colossus. Just pick him up and chuck him like a cannonball. He's a tiny man. Anyways, she's like, look, I broke into your house because oh yeah she found him because she found the guy who did some construction on his house and she's like for the price of a bunch of beers she finds out he has secret room u- down below and she's like what's it for and the guy's like for women and i'm like oh no it's a sex trafficking thing but i guess black cat didn't think like that she's like oh man for women that means there's jewels <laughs> or something oh like, my whatever's God. down there what's nice She's like only so- there's only few things in this world that get me going. One of them is spider print pajamas. Another <laughs> is <laughs> is uh, she's like web print pajamas or something like that. And she's like and the other secret rooms and I'm like this is going to get dark and she gets down there. And then I remembered which comic we're in because Wolverine shows up. He's like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah. <laughs> Did you rob me? She's like, no, this person who left a business card on the floor robbed you. And he's like, it's that child. And she's like, oh my <laughs> gosh, what are we talking about? And It's like this child who owns a casino is apparently Wolverine's arch nemesis. His arch nemesis is a small child who I guess used to run the Hellfire Club. And uh, now he runs a casino. So Wolverine's like, he'll stop at nothing to get under my skin. And I'm like, Wolverine, what's happened to you? (laughs) You've fallen so far, man. What's going on? So he's like, we she's like well we're gonna get it back cause I want this picture and you're gonna buy me a dress so he buys her a dress they go to the casino she sits there and she pushes luck around cause I forgot she still had that ability to manipulate luck and uh she's like everyone's getting lucky tonight and everyone starts winning and the casino gets mad tells her to leave she says I'm gonna stay here all night and ruin your casino unless you let me talk to the boss for some reason this works they let her talk to the boss Wolverine breaks a window and she tells the child kids love magic so I'm going to do a magic trick for you and she uses like a little mini grappling hook steals the glasses off his nose and she goes got your nose she jumps through the window that wolverine broke with wolverine swings around wolverine hates it black cat loves it and uh the kid reveals that all of his passwords are in those glasses and he wants them all dead he wants the woman dead he wants wolverine as dead as he can be and i don't know he's just like a angry child and i'm very confused obviously because i don't know the child and i don't know why wolverine is wearing like a white dinner jacket i don't know why he's rich now i don't know like i don't Recognize this Wolverine because I'm used to him being angry and running around naked in the woods.
1: So. <laughs> well, the the, the rich <laughs> thing can be summed up with whole X Men Krakoa thing because as of right now, because of your own country too, technically all the mutants are millionaires.
0: How are they technically all millionaires? Something with the currency
1: and island. Hickman explained it in one of his many infor- informational things that I cannot remember. Uh, so Krakoa
2: has. Their exports are these different plants that the island makes and a lot of them are pharmaceutical things. Like, oh, this is a cure all. Like it cures every form of cancer. It like it cures all this other stuff. Like these ridiculous drugs that they're selling for exorbitant prices. And they're like, We're we're capitalist now. But we're also socialist. You're like, We're the worst of
0: both worlds. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, they're everything I hate in this
0: world. <laughs> Way to go, mutants. Killing it.
2: So, Marauders, right now, Kitty Pride is presumed dead. So, there's a little more setup on this end. We got introduced to Callisto, who I'm pretty certain, based off of some of her conversations, is one of the Morlocks. They were a group of yes. mutants that lived in the sewers under New York, because... A lot of them had more physical mutations and were seen as even outcast from the mutants' selves, from the X-Men and too stuff. too ugly. Too ugly. Basically. I don't know what Callisto's issue is. All I know is she's got an eye patch, but she's really cool. I liked her a lot. She came in super sassy, not taking any of Emma Frost's crap, but she got called in by Emma, thought it was an emergency, and Emma was just like trying on clothes and is in nothing but her lingerie. Like, oh, okay. This is nothing new. And Emma wants her to be her new white knight part of her little court kind of thing. She wants her to be her bodyguard and what a weirdo. Why do people talk to her?
1: (sighs) Because she doesn't wear clothes. (laughs)
2: Yeah she doesn't wear clothes at all but she had to kind of bribe Callisto by being like I'll give you an allowance. Oh okay. I guess money helps but Callisto meets with the marauders as they learn that Kate never actually arrived with the additional ship which is a bit concerning and and Bishop automatically kind of goes Bishop Danger Sense and says that he's gonna go back to Madripoor to go find her. While well, this is going on, the Verindi I've been spying on this this entire conversation from Pyro's optic nerve because Yellow Jacket got injected into his system and has been using his optic nerve to try and peek at their conversations and try I'm to not learn. Okay with. Yeah. Also has really good. Visual quality for impossible tech that could never exist.
1: Outside of comics.
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh. So we have Bishop being a Banff, knowing it's a trap because he's not stupid. He goes to the Magipore gate expecting a fight. He throws in a grenade because he knows there's probably people around and, like, kicks all of their butts. He manages to find intel, leading him to a ship that's tasked with retrieval of a sunken vessel. And he's like, it has to be Kate has to be her. So I'm going to get on the ship. And that's kind of all we see on that end. After this, Callisto has a bit of a weird conversation with another Morlock named Mask, who's playing golf. And that's hmm. kind of it. I don't really get anything else going on with this conversation. It, it seems like... The Morlocks, obviously, even those who don't read much of X-Men know the Morlocks don't trust the regular X-Men when it comes to mutants. They never really like them. They're like, you're the ones who can live all shiny and pretty on the surface and while we have right. to hide ourselves. Well, as one of the nice things about the whole Krakoa thing is that they've been inclusive to every type of mutant. This means those who are X-Men, those who are the Brotherhood of Mutants, those who are even Mr. Sinister, and a couple of other not not very good people. and that includes, of course, the Morlocks because they are mutants despite what they really do. It it seems like there was a little bit of a conversation with Mask being like well I don't really trust her and Callisto says something along the lines of well if one of the prettiest mutants is essentially willing to work with us then I think we can kind of trust her. Like She actually I think wants our help. Also I think this area of the US like this golfing retirement area is where they've kind of shunted all the Morlocks to based off of the Hickman blurps in the middle which i find hilarious so it, Wait, they're living so in... They're still outcasts they, they have their own like little like this is the morlock blob like this is like where the morlocks like to hang out now like this is where we kind of are we don't want to be with the rest of you but we're still be a part of you but we still would like our a little bit of separation because of everything that's mm-hmm. happened and it's like fair enough so really small just one page thing of off the coast of Madrapur you see some fishers pulling up Lockheed, who's in their nets. Yeah, so that's and that's where it ends. That that was Marauders. Plain simple. There was some funny little dialogue, but nothing. Still
1: no really... sign of Kitty though.
2: Still no sign of Kitty, but that that's a bit of a good sign because Lockheed kinda survived. <laughs> I don't know if he's dead. He's just curled up.
1: We have no idea about the time of, of like what's going on here.
2: Nope. So strike force issue six is still confusion city and I'm super I, I even summarize in my notes very quickly because it's just that obnoxious so we learn that dr Moonstone or Moonstone is been bribing ghost with kind of a some kind of special USB that contains the data of his girlfriend so she's pretty much saying if you work for me I have your girlfriend in here do my bidding okay k don't know why you need ghosts but whatever so the strike force members are in this hospital trying to fight off the zombies of the poor hospital patients that moonstone has created monica doesn't want anyone to get injured because she wants to try and put their consciousness back into their bodies because they've been separated because after they died moonstone kind of did some weird science thing that she harnessed the energy of their consciousness or their souls or whatever and kind of made them physical and monica's trying to wrangle them all back together and put them back into their bodies and she's telling (laughs) the rest of them like don't hurt them blade just he's like oh guess i can't slash them with my sword so he kicks one of them in the chest and he's like well that one's waking up with some broken ribs but thanks (laughs) He's like Thanks, Blade. While this is going on, we still have Billy and Damon, who have remained back at their little safe house to watch over the the Count guy, and they're planning on waking him up, but his body crumples to like this purple fungus dust. And <laughs> Damon immediately was like, what is this? Billy, being the smart person that he is, remembers that the Redi are kind of mushroom people in this world. And he most likely created a body double in an attempt to escape. So while they were arguing before, he created a body double and went and ran. So Billy mm-hmm. offers to look into other possible realities in attempt to find him. Like, hey, these other possible realities, this is where we found him. But is a little hesitant because of the other times he's peeked into other realities and caused crap. Volume 2 of Young Avengers brought a weird monster creature that cursed them all. That was a problem. Death's head was caused by him looking into other realities. He needs to stop. Poor kid. Also, funny thing, Damon kind of flirts with Billy and he politely, he he blushes just awkwardly and he's politely reminds him that he's engaged like you met his you met his fiance earlier don't don't try to flirt with the guy so He was like you're so powerful and he's like ah i'm engaged N- no we're not doing that
0: <laughs> i just i'm thinking about how annoyed i would be if i was like telling someone why wow, you're so powerful
2: and they're like i'm engaged
0: like, but he was like
2: oh. <laughs> really because he's the son of like he's like the son of satan and he's like currently shirtless and kind of doing like this hello look to billy and he's like <laughs> nope nope Oh... No, we're not going there. I have a wonderful fiancé who's back at home who totally doesn't abandon me later to go off to unite the Kree and the Skrull. What? Anyways, more randomness. Winter Soldier and Angela eventually meet up with Ghost and decide to work together with him because all he wants is that USB. He doesn't care. He just, he wants it. So they have a mutual agreement to take down Moonstone because all he wants is the USB. And he's like, I don't care what she's doing here. I have no vested interest. We jump back to Billy and Damon. Billy Is using his reality abilities and figure out that the count was actually down in the basement of the building. Uh they were using as a safe house, which is funny because where do fungus like to grow in dank dark corners of things, preferably basements. Billy totally doesn't use fun guy as a pun later. Oh gosh. But it works so well. He's like, did no one catch that? (sighs) I'm in the wrong crowd. (laughs) It's just these snide little cute remarks. Of just being like he's a teenager. The rest of them are adults or otherworldly creatures that do not get his references. Mm. I
1: would it Billy. I was Yeah, got... you. <laughs> I.
2: I. It's more for the the readers to just face palmingly laugh. But the count is actually is very clearly afraid of them and confused because he was in a bit of a coma for a really long time and doesn't know what's going on, and they offered to try and return him back to his realm after War of the Realms happened. On
1: 123 Sesame Street? Or is this a different count?
2: Different count. (sighs) Oh my god. (laughs) He's more like a prince, but he's apparently a count. Either way, he's royalty of these fungus elf creature things that can shapeshift. But he finally reveals to our Strike Force team that we as readers have known since like either issue one or two, that his people no longer actually have a home to go to, which is the reason behind all of this trouble. The main plot is these Mm. fungus people that we have gotten away from because of weird moonstone stuff that makes no sense, which we're going to continue to talk about because Blade tries to convince Monica that her idea is stupid and she needs to stop messing with things out of her control and just let the dead die. Speaking from a man who kills the undead for a living. Listen to him. Moonstone is eventually easily taken down when they find her. It's just like, what was the point of this running around spider woman just got kind of choked and threw- thrown to the ground i'm like you're spider woman what are you doing <laughs> okay and they easily know nul- they up- nullify her powers and take her into custody she's then taken to ravencroft Tane and taken to ravencroft which is probably the only reason this weird story tangent even existed was to promote whatever hoo-ha is going to go on with ravencroft that potentially might intersect with moonstone i don't know why they did this And of course, Monica uses her powers to actually release the patient's souls instead of trying to stick them back into their bodies that they have clearly already died from and decided to actually finally join up together with the rest of the group and continue on their merry way with the actual plot of where this has started back in issue one. Thank you. Stop tangenting for <laughs> stupid reasons. Ugh, I might have more of a cohesive storyline the next time we actually talk about strike force, but we will see because this was about two and a half issues of why it is going on. It was also written very poorly. I did not care whatever the heck was going on with Moonstone. I didn't even get what her whole thing was. I
0: don't think I've ever read Moonstone handled well. It seems every time she's entered any story I was reading, I was like, I'm sorry, who are you and why are you here?
2: It's just, I don't understand what her experiment was for, why she sent ghosts to go after them to get Monica, and then pretty much said, You're useless. And it's like, Why did you want her in the this is so contradictory? <laughs> so I'm very happy this stupid ghost tangent is done. Please go back nice. to the mushroom elves. Thank you. <sighs> I never thought I'd hear that,
1: right? <laughs> Muse says, Go back to your mushroom elves where you belong. Like-
2: the, the, the story that we started at the beginning and the reason I started reading this, this, this none of this was important. And mm-hmm. I doubt it will ever get brought up again in Strike Force. If they bring Moonstone into Ravencroft, I'll know why they did this. If they don't, I have no idea why they did this.
0: <laughs> hmm, well I'll keep up on Ravencroft and I will keep you apprised of anything. Thank you. Thank in we the should... meantime, show. No.
1: Yes. Oh, it's my what turn. What you got for All right. What you got? So the first one I did was Justice League Odyssey uh, number 18 by Dan Abnett, and the art was by Cliff Richards. And reading this, I completely forgot just how out of the loop Justice League Odyssey is with the rest of the DC universe. <laughs> because they have been gone <laughs> since the No Justice title. So they have no idea about what's going on, on on Earth. They have no idea about Year of the Villain. They have no idea about Perpetua. They don't know <laughs> any I of this stuff. me. <laughs> So that
2: sounds like me. What I really and
1: appreciated too is that Jess gives the readers a recap of everything that's happened in a voice message to Cyborg, who is currently under Darkseid's possession and brainwashed along with um, Azrael and Starfire. So she says how their ship is currently stranded on the edge of the universe, and they were jumped by Darkseid's new new gods. And on this ship, they have what's called an eschaton which was a being that was created to destroy all new gods, which includes Darkseid and Orion, who's also on this ship. But the Eschaton, with the promise of destroying Darkseid, made a deal with Dexstar, the Red Lantern Cat, to wait until they get to him before he oh destroys gosh. Orion and any other new gods. Along with this ship, they also have a being named Zotar, who is able to absorb everything that Jess is literally throwing at him. He is one of Darkseid's soldiers, pretty much, to destroy Jess and this Justice League. Um, Jess is also currently having some of Darkseid's Omega powers because he shot her with his Omega beams a couple issues back and quote-unquote killed her because we saw her become evaporated, and somehow she was revived because we can assume is from the Omega memes. So they're protecting this girl that is named Gamma Knife, who seems to be a space scavenger, and her full origin wasn't actually revealed yet. She just appeared in the last issue, but she seems to be the daughter of a well-known spaceman, according to a reference she made in issue 17. And while this is going on, Orion is fighting Cyborg because he was also part of the assault team to attack Jess and the others. So Jess is trying to reach out to Victor again, trying to break him away from Darkseid's control, but he boom tubes back to Darkseid. And what is so freaking funny is that ever since he became under Darkseid's control, he has become more machine than man. So he hmm. only communicates in pings. Whoa, so, that is machine. So everything that, like, is said to him, his responses are always like, ping, 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 ping. Like, just over That's and over so again. Annoying. It is so annoying, but it's so freaking <laughs> ridiculous because you see, like, Darkseid having, like, this very, like, heavy discussion. <laughs> and all you hear in response is like, ping. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> ping, ping <with> full <laughs> yeah. R2-D2. It's just... It's so ridiculous. But anyway, so after they leave, Jess and the team get a chance to catch their breath. Jess is asking Gamma about who her boss is and who told her to help them. We then cut to Gamma Knight's boss, who is currently being held for interrogation by the other part of Jess's team, which is Blackfire, Dexstar, and this alien technician that they picked up along the way called Arla Hacks. Gamma's boss is currently stuck in a temporal time loop flow which is sinking in and out of relative event fields switching between times. Yes that is very confusing. I had to read that three different times to understand it. (laughs) Basically he is just trapped in a a loop of his life forwards and backwards things that happen in the past things that happen in the present things that happen in the future of just these random bursts of his life so one moment he's introducing himself he's like my name is epoch lord of time resulting in the destruction of dark and the unseating of all his plans and then in another moment he's telling gamma to a total rewrite is the only way and another he's talking to lex luther another one he's like i may have just inadvertently deleted forty nine thousand years of danagarian history oops
2: <laughs> okay
1: and there was a part that i remembered uh he was dressed up as a cowboy and he said i need to be outside the universe outside of linear conventions of universal time flow which i'm pretty sure was from the super Suns run like one of the very last uh, issues but anyway dexter was able to bring epoch back to normal and he was saying that some of those fluxes that he was going through may not have actually happened or happened yet but they could be potentials and he referenced them as the justice league and asked if there was a reboot because he didn't actually recognize them but they're currently floating on a space site with the largest concentrated stockpile of implicate time since the big bang which is why he was kind of going crazy and why all that was happening is because it's a mass on the outside of linear constraints so it can't be affected by the passage of regular time. Pretty much kind of like as if there was a source wall there. And Orion mentions to Gamma Knife saying that he knew of an epoch from New Genesis but is completely different from this guy. The one that Orion knew, he was a very like evil, manipulator of time. And Gamma said that Epoch saved her and asked for her help in creating what he calls the revision mechanism. That's when Epoch basically breaks down everything that's happened in the DC universe, mentioning several extinction level threats, saying that there's a creature called Perpetua, the apex version of Lex Luthor, and now the renewed dark side, plus one other whose identity I've yet to learn. Between them, they will destroy creation heedlessly and willfully which I guess he's referring to whatever's gonna come out at the end of this year to bring about the 5G initiative. And then he tells them about his revision mechanism to perform a chronological rewrite and eliminate all the existential level threats. Meaning like, it sounds like he's gonna be the guy that brings about the 5G. And, you know, Jess is completely against it until Cyborg manages to contact her again. Because he has been sending her messages through her Green Lantern ring. Because just that little bit of consciousness he has left. It sounds like this may be the push that DC needs to get itself on track for 5G. Or this can just blow up and be nothing. Who knows. But the second one I have, which is also really short, is Young Justice 13. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, Lex Luthor. (laughs) Any art by John Timms, but also not John Timms. And the only thing I have to say about this issue is that literally nothing happened once again because it's more of Bendis' oh. plot stretching. You see more of the press con on this strange world, and you get the random, unneeded origin of the Viking guy warlord. Travis Morgan, which is more of just Bendis reviving these long lost characters from DC's history, which shows more about where he did all this research from. Like, he's shown in a couple of his suites and stuff, which is more from, like, the silver age of comics, not really what's been going on before he took on the role of Superman and everything else. So he's like, I don't really care about what's happened in the last five years. I want to go back to, like, 40 years ago. Good
2: old days of comics. Yeah.
1: And meanwhile, so... Connor is sitting and not caring about Warlord's origin story. And then it like cuts all back- of us? Yeah, and it cuts back to Earth and you see the team trying to make up a plan to get Connor back. So they're all kind of just sitting there while Tim is the only one thinking of a plan and there's this random power surge that causes all of their devices to act up the wonder twins say that the reading is coming from new mexico and then someone mentions like oh isn't that where connor said the star labs facility was located that teleported him to gem world in the first place and then cassie says okay there's the plan we're going to nevada why wouldn't she go to New Mexico? That's the place you just said the readings were coming from. That's the place you just said Star Labs was located. Why are you going to Las Vegas? <laughs> but you
2: know why?
1: Because and then, of they course, done who was up. it
2: that made a comment? I think it was one of the Dial H heroes. Was like, we can trust Cassie. She's in the Teen Titans. And yeah, like,
1: which is more confusion about like how do they remember Cassie being part of the Teen Titans but none of the other guys?
2: Exactly. Like, uh, oh, okay.
1: Bart runs off ahead to New Mexico, not Nevada. And he meets with Spoiler, Aqualad, Arrowette, and Sideways, who are apparently calling themselves the real young Justice. Mm. Spoiler... Yep because she hasn't been getting enough FaceTime with the Batfam. aqualad because apparently he's not doing much with the teen titans and or aquaman arrowette who hasn't been seen since the 90s from the classic young justice and is then, it
2: actually arrowette or is that
1: i'm assuming it's sissy because mia hasn't sissy, been seen in green lantern either yeah. but mia had a completely different outfit
2: that's true and then
1: sideways who had a little mini series after dark knight's metal and wasn't seen again and how so do wild. all four these people know each other and are all of a sudden calling themselves the real young justice when none of this has ever been shown before
2: and i don't think any of them actually interacted together either like none of them have any reason i'm okay
1: well again also sideways said that he wasn't even a part of any of this he's just happy to be included
2: this is just getting to be a bloated cast, like we did even back during the original Young Justice run back in like I think it was the '90s, the 90s and I. 98 to 2000s. 2003. Yeah, so more like the 2000s, but still, you had the core people, and then. The only time you got a larger cast of characters was during the sins of youth arc because they needed more help it was a giant crossover
1: not only that even at the the ending issues whenever there was a big climactic event that's when they got everybody and then everybody left and then you and were left with the original
2: it's like he's trying to make young justice more like the young justice cartoon and it's just not working because no. you don't have enough background on these characters or reason why they would join up in the first place.
1: Not only that, but the main problem still is that none of us know how our characters got here. We still don't have a clear answer.
0: Mm -hmm. Nope. I don't think you ever will. It's going to be really hard to give you one.
1: If we want to go, the only thing that people have been basing this uh, run off of, they've been comparing it to Miles Morales' Spider-Man when Bendis first created him. And out of that 150-issue run, it took him up to issue 75 to actually get to the major plot point.
2: Oh my god. Yeah. Why? Exposition does
1: not James need to be to that long. And they, So aside from like the plot stretching, one of the most annoying things is how he aggressively teased is the next issue because he always has some type of captions like what do you think of that find out next time or how could this happen it's like shut up we'll find out faster if you just fucking stop with the plot stretching just move it on it give us the explanation and then we can go on with this whatever plot if you want to add more people to young justice fine but first you need to finalize like hey this is what happened this is how they they got here And now we can move on.
0: Yeah, it sounds like each new character is just a smokescreen to cover up the fact that there is no actual plot.
1: Pretty much. It's just... Exactly. It's plot stretching with a bunch of fillers that are so unnecessary. Like, did we really need you to take half of this issue to give the origin of Warlord? No, you really didn't. We didn't need to hear about this guy from the 70s.
2: Does anyone care? I surely didn't.
1: I didn't give a shit. And Connor didn't either. He wasn't even listening. He was still being sad about being gone again from his friends. And then uh. Uh, the other annoying part was that, like, parent- he was trying to rush his origin story to Superboy because these lizard people were going to attack them any minute, and the minute never really came. And Connor even comments on it. He's like, didn't you say there was, like, a horde of lizard people coming here? He's like, yeah, they should. Th- any minute now. Anyway, this gives me time to keep explaining. Oh, look, they're here. Like, ugh, it was just oh, so off-putting and so awkward. But that's
2: Bendis. Bendis is Warlord. Just, I'm just going to give you my whole life story. Why do we care? Like, you, you could have given a summary of this guy being like, he's from Earth. He found his way to this other world and, and kind of tried to maybe do it within, like, a page. You don't even do need within a page. that.
1: Do you remember in the Jeff Johns, Teen Titans, even Young Justice, when you would have that one page where it said like, oh, this is the name of the issue. This is who it's written by. This is the artist, all that stuff. They also had little quick character descriptions on that page. Yeah,
2: But if you're trying to, he's trying to, I knew what he's trying to do with Warlord. He's trying to give like, kind of give Connor something to think on, be like, hey, there's this awesome guy that started out very similar to you. He ended up in a world that he was unfamiliar with, didn't know how it was, but then he found his place in it and he loves it. You could have written that better and in a shorter period of time and not break it up into two different sections.
1: Trying to convince Connor like, hey, you were just on Gem World and you were fine. You were a little sad, but you forgot about everybody. Then you met everybody again and now you got teleported to this world, but you can make a home here too. Forget about everybody.
0: What am I yeah that's a waste of time Mm
1: -hmm. so i'm really concerned just dropping this like i was for enjoyment level i dropped it after the second issue for i've just been hate reading it since then and now i'm just really like i would really like to drop it but at the same time again like i said in part one it ties together with a bunch of bendis's other comics and i know action comics 1021 is coming out soon and that's when Young Justice makes the appearance. And I really feel like I need to read Young Justice at least until that arc is over to understand how they got there. Mm. As best says it's going to be shown because I know it's not going to be shown well.
2: I know we can both agree like Venice in general just there's only very certain situations where he's actually, he can actually write. And yeah. And this and Superman is just not it. Though I will say the first arc of Young Justice wasn't, it didn't want to make me gag. There was a lot of just inconsistencies uh. and things that just made me want to kind of head head desk a little bit. But at least there was, it, it did flow. We got some backstory. They were trying to get through Gym World and they got Out of Gemworld. Then it stagnated hard when they were multiverse hopping. Which it shouldn't, because you're multiverse hopping. But it felt so dragged on, and like, why are we spending this amount of time multiverse hopping? You could have done this in an issue. Um, It could have been fixed. But this arc... Right now, it's asinine.
1: I'm going to disagree with you there, though. I Ugh. I didn't enjoy that first arc at all. I felt like everything was a standalone issue, and each issue had so many problems, especially with their origins. Like, I can even, like, even just Connors alone, between, like, the mischaracterization, like, that was not his personality that we left before New 52 that was more of his 90s personality and just the whole explanations of you know the team being there but not having these answers when I get holding off the original answer to like how they all got together maybe a couple issues into your run but when you have a title like Young Justice that's been gone for 20 years and you have these beloved characters that haven't been seen truly since before New 52 you kind of need to explain how they got there. Not in issue 25, but at least before issue 10.
0: The weird thing is that not all of them knew each other. Cassie knew um, Robin and, and Superboy, but she... So, they could have said, okay, look, these people, like, um... Okay, so Robin came from this world where he met Ginny Hex and the Green Lantern. And, uh, you know, these people are from the main world. But then they could have said, okay, but maybe Sissy's from a different world. Maybe, um, like, a different universe. Maybe Superboy's from a different universe. And they all ended up together. And you can say, like, oh, he thought he was the Robin from a different world. Or if you wanted those Rob robin to know him for like a really good reason you can pull the robin from a different world like you can make those adjustments to get the sort of chemistry you want in your team but you can't just like throw it up in the air and say i'll deal with it later because those were like important things Mm -hmm. that needed to be established early on
1: so like with that stuff the only character that's really been with any of these continuities has been tim tim was red robin and then he also had his moments with Super Sons. He had his moments in the Batman run. He had his moments in Justice League.
0: Too many moments since he was on the Earth while he was supposedly out.
1: Well, even like I'm saying like even before the Young Justice run came out. So you, Tim was part of Rebirth. He was part of New 52. He was part of Rebirth. So he he has an idea of everything that's going on. Bart showed up like I think two months before Young Justice came out. He showed up in The Flash. Everybody else... They haven't been around. Connor, you can say that Connor showed up from pre-Flashpoint. Then he got teleported to Gemworld and Gemworld has apparently been on the outside looking at all these different changes that have been happening to the DC universe. So when he came, um, when Bart came to him, you know, this is our rebirth earth now. So, okay. I can let that one slide. Could have explained it better, but we can assume that Connor is from pre-Flashpoint. And same thing with Bart. Because apparently Bart and Wally were both trapped in the Speed Force during what was New 52. Cassie, he's just written off as always being in Rebirth. But she wasn't actually part of the Teen Titans. But people remember her being as part of the Teen Titans. And as with Tim's memory, he vaguely remembered Connor. And vaguely remembered Cassie and Bart. And then you also have the Titans from the future coming. And it was Connor, Tim, and Cassie. So that's... Where you get, like, these confusing moments like this, but no explanation. Yeah,
2: it doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. just cluster of why and get on with it.
1: Yeah, because now it's more of, like, him just making his own young justice with all of his characters. And now also including, spoiler, Aqualad, Sideways, and arrowette which was... The last issue was already a clusterfuck of people.
2: <laughs> it, it was. And I swear, then this is like the, the artist has reused shots of them chilling out before oh, like yeah. Tim leaning against that. He was, that was the same in the other issue. Like, there's no difference Mm -hmm. from issue to issue they're not doing anything they're sitting on their hands confused as can be i understand why naomi and why the wonder trends and why the dial h kids are confused and why they're not taking the lead because they're newbies but they're not helping cassie or tim try to figure out what to do all mm. and it's exhausting just reading it every single mm. time <laughs> you're like what 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 other thing is just not gonna happen are we gonna repeat things oh look naomi once again repeated i don't know what i'm doing i've only been a hero for two days what
1: i find it really funny too if like every issue comes out and she just keeps adding a day onto how long she's been a superhero
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like the next issue she's like i don't know it's only been three days since i got my powers then like issue 20 is like i don't know it's it's only been a week and a half since I got my powers. I don't know why we still haven't moved yet.
2: Yeah, like why are we still with where are we still <laughs> chilling at Jenny's car over here and who like who knows where? Like, oh, also a funny thing. You know how they left out Naomi in that spread of them mm-hmm. flying off? Well, they left him out in the flying spread. He's not in the invisible jet. And He's, he's not, in, the not car. in Jenny's car. I'm like where is tim he's over here (laughs) talking about where they're going but i don't see tim anywhere is he shoved in the trunk
1: i was just gonna say that
2: (laughs) is he in the trunk yes did jenny shove him in there with her stuff
1: oh my gosh uh they couldn't even do something like oh he's holding on to the truck by his grappling hook or whatever no
2: but it looks like he's there's a back to wherever he's sitting. He's clearly mm-hmm. sitting in that panel.
1: The only thing I can think of is like he's somewhere more inside the invisible jet that you can't see.
2: It looked like it was part of Jenny's truck, but I have no idea. Who knows? Really knows the point. Hey,
0: Joe. Yes, V? Would you like to read next week's DC Comics?
1: I would love to. So... Next week, for February 12th, you have Batman and the Outsiders, number 10. You have Batman's Grave, number 5. You have a one-shot called Batman Pennyworth R.I.P. number 1, which is being written by Tomasi and Tinian with Uh art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira. Then you have Neil Adams' Batman Vs. Rachel Gould, number four. You have Catwoman 20, Flash 88. Grant Morrison's Green Lantern is back with season two, number one. You have the last issue of Gotham City Monsters, number six. And Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy number six. You also have Amanda Connor's Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey number one coming out, which they have been advertising with the back of all of this week's comics. You have Hawkman number 21.
2: Is the Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, is that a tie-in for the movie? Kind of Or is of that it an is. actual? Because it has Amanda Connor. Yeah, it's supposed okay. to
1: be a continuation of where Amanda Connor left off, but the advertisement photo shows the characters kind of how they look in the movie and by kind of I mean it's really just Cass but (sighs) so then you have Supergirl 39, Superman 20, Superman Heroes number 1, which is written by DC Comics' Metropolis Society of Bendis, Rucka, Faction, and Hauser, and then you have Wonder Woman 751, which I just want to say is a little bit weird because she was kind of having the same pattern as Flash and Batman, where it was, you know, it's numbered by however many issues the run has, but ever since she hit her 750th issue, now they're just going to go from that number on. Little weird. weird. Yeah, a little bit weird. Because it you'd go from like 78, 79, 80, and it's a like boom, 750, 751. Oh, that yeah.
0: is really upsetting.
1: Mm-hmm. So don't know why. But that's what they're doing.
0: Alright. Oh, um, Muse, so would you like to read off next week's Marvel comic?
2: Yes. So we have The Amazing Spider-Man 39. Black Panther and the Agents of Quan- Wakanda number six. Doctor Strange number three. Excalibur seven. We have another game verse comic it's the sequel to marvel spider-man black cat strikes when stacy issue one it's todd i think is yep todd knock yeah. is doing the art so for it. that uh hawkeye free fall number three the <laughs> land iron man 2020 <sighs> number two marvel tales Wolverine number one, Morbius number four, which I think is either the last issue or he has one more. I know it's a mini series. Uh, Nebula issue one, Savage Avengers 10, Symbiote Spider Man Alien Reality number three, Immortal Hulk 31, Thor three, Venom 23, X Force seven, and X Men six. There are so many X, there's so many more more individual Marvel titles I yeah. think. right now a lot of DCs are just little either one shots right now or the Giants and things like that and mm-hmm. Marvel's like look at all these series that we have but Marvel does I think more mini series they do they Do a lot of like six to ten issues so that's why you have so many ongoing things so good like keeping up with those If anyone's catch your fancy, go listen. Go read those. Yeah, and don't forget about Kylo Ren, which is coming out. You can. I everyone can forget Kylo. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Kylo Ren number three, the Trinity, as it were. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Poor thing. I'm sorry, Muse. We'll forget about Kylo Ren just for you. All right, and for all of you listeners, happy Valentine's Day. I'm going to say it again next week because I think it serves two weeks of it. Um, thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Court of Owlet. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Court of Owlet. And let us know which comics you want us to cover next week. And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much. Bye.